You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Guys, I want to welcome all of our campuses. Uh, To those of you who are at Overland Park campus who braved the cold, welcome in the auditorium and in the venue. Uh, To our Olathe campus team, Uh, guys, this is the last weekend we're hosting you in the venue uh, because on January 7th and 8th, we're going to have a commissioning service. We're going to send you guys out to Olathe as, Lord willing, the first of up to 100 independent church plants and multi-site locations over the next 20 years or so. So congratulations. We're excited for how God's going to use you. And if you're online, maybe you're internationally, you're maybe in the domestically here in the States, maybe you're just in the Kansas City area huddling up and being warm. I do want to welcome you guys. Uh, got a great weekend in store for you, a message. So we're going to start with a story. Uh, here's a picture of Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan. Their uh, story is well known. This photo is from 1888. Helen is a third grader. She's eight years old. Anne is 22 in this photo. Uh, When Helen was a 19-month-old baby girl, uh, she was healthy. And then she got sick. And she went totally deaf and totally blind, which was a real shock for a 19-month-old baby girl. And Helen's family recruited Anne Sullivan to move there, move into the family, and be her uh, teacher. And, And she moved there with the goal of trying to help, don't miss this, help a blind woman to see because Helen was blind. She was blind to sign language. She was blind to what Anne was trying to accomplish in her life. Helen was blind to how much uh, Anne actually cared for her. She was blind to all of that. And so the story was made into a play and movie called The Miracle Worker. Here's one local production from The Miracle Worker. Notice it was not an easy process for Anne Sullivan to help Helen Keller. Uh, Anne wondered at times, should she give up? Would Helen ever be able to get this? Uh, but she kept fighting, she kept staying engaged, and finally a breakthrough happened. Here's when Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan are at the well. When she's with the water, she's signing water, and the light comes on for this woman who is blind. And Helen realizes Ann has been trying to communicate with her. She has been blind to it the entire time, so don't miss this. If you ever saw the, the movie The Play, Anne went to such lengths. She endured moving to another location. She suffered personally. She, you know, at some times wanted to give up. I mean, she went a long way to help one person who was blind to be able to see. Here's my question for you. So just how far would you go? How much would you give? How much would you suffer? To allow the Helen Kellers spiritually around you, they're spiritually blind, to be able to see. Would you go, Anne Sullivan, for your friends who are dying and going to hell? Here's the reality. The Bible says our friends are spiritually blind, totally spiritually blind, just like Helen Keller. Your friends who don't have Christ are blind to how much God loves them. Blind to it. Your friends, your family members who don't have Jesus are blind to the light of the gospel. Your friends without Jesus are blind to their actual spiritual state. 
They're blind, totally blind, spiritually. Guys, that's our topic today. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And so you can join me there, 2 Corinthians 4. Our ushers are going to have Bibles. If you want to raise your hand, they'll either give you one, you can borrow it, or keep it as our church's gift to you. 2 Corinthians 4, we've been in a series called Light. I want to reset for us what we've seen so far in this series. In week one of our series, we talked about God is light. God is light. That's what he is spiritually. God is light. That's 1 John chapter 1. In week two, we talked about people in darkness. If God is light spiritually, people without Jesus are in the darkness spiritually. They don't have Christ yet. So today, our topic, if God is light and, and people are in darkness, today's topic, if you're taking notes, is this. Light of the gospel. Light of the gospel to a people in darkness because God is light. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4. What we're going to see today is a couple things. First of all, we're going to see how physically blind people like Helen Keller picture for us our friends who are far from God. You can study spiritual blindness. Why don't they get it? By studying people like Helen Keller physically. Then we're going to ask ourselves the question, like just how far am I willing to go Ann Sullivan on behalf of my friends who cannot see spiritually? Would I be willing to suffer like that, give that that degree so that one spiritually blind person gets it? So ask yourself the question, Are there people in your world, maybe they're an acquaintance you have, or they're a family member who don't have Christ? Just think in your mind, who do you know that doesn't know Jesus? Who do you know doesn't believe in Jesus? Who do you know that's in spiritual darkness? Just think in your mind, faces might be coming up, names might be appearing. You're the missionary to the people God is prompting you with right now. That's your full-time ministry to be Ann Sullivan to those Helen Kellers. Let's pray. We'll dive into how we do this, what this means. God, I pray right now that uh, you would give us insight from 2 Corinthians 4, which does talk about spiritual blindness, and may we learn about how our friends don't see you and don't see the Bible, don't see your love, don't see Jesus, because they can't. They are spiritually, utterly, totally blind. May you show us also how we can channel the spirit of Ann Sullivan and fight and pray and love and serve so that potentially you might give our family members and friends without Christ miraculous sight. They see the light of the gospel. And if somebody is worshiping this weekend with us or worshiping right now with us and they don't have Jesus, they've never surrendered to you fully, God, may they bow the knee and confess Jesus as their Lord, their leader. May they place their faith in you who came at Christmas 2,000 years ago as our light and you died and rose again and you're alive. May they place their faith in you and surrender fully to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's begin in verse 1. You might have heard of people in full-time ministry. Hey, you think, well, that person's in full-time ministry. We use it for people who are paid to do the work of ministry. But guess what? 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1 starts with this thought. If you've received Jesus, 
You, my friend, are in full-time ministry. That's your real job. You're in full-time ministry. No matter what kind of salary you draw, it says this in verse 1. Paul is talking to a church, average church members, regular guys, regular women. Verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, all of us, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. He says, if you receive the mercy of God, God puts you in full-time ministry. That's your full-time job, to be Ann Sullivan's, to those people around us who are the Helen Kellers. And just like Ann Sullivan wanted to give up, we, Paul says, do not lose heart. We want to give up. We want to say that person will never receive Christ, but we don't lose heart. So, Tim, what is our ministry exactly? What do we do? I'm glad you asked. Verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. There's our ministry, the word of God. But by manifestation of the truth, by shining God's light, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Our full-time ministry with the Helen Keller spiritually around us is to manifest the word of God and the light to every person, every man's conscience, because you never know who God will miraculously get it. They get light. They see the light. They get it. That's our full-time ministry. Here's the problem with our ministry. People are blinded spiritually. Verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, and the word in Greek for veiled means covered, our gospel is veiled It's covered, it's hidden. Our gospel is veiled from their eyes. They don't get it. Our gospel, the light, is covered from their eyes. They don't get it. Our gospel is hidden from their eyes. They're spiritually blinded. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Because I have family members I pray for, friends I pray for, and they are dying, is what that says. They're dying. And they will, if they die without Christ, they will die and go to hell. They are perishing. Verse 4. Whose minds, the God of this age, that's Satan, whose minds Satan has blinded. There it is. They're in total blindness spiritually. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel. There's our title, our topic. We're talking about light of the gospel. Lest the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You see, our friends and family, that's why they look at us like we're crazy sometimes when you bring up the Bible and they just don't get it. And you bring up the name of Jesus, they think you're nuts. And you know what? God's speaking, you got moving, and they're like, what, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. Because they're at, it's like talking to Helen Keller, trying to explain, you know, light. She didn't get it so here's the thing if physically blind people teach us about spiritually blind people is that true look at romans 1 verse 20 it's a verse i've shared a number of times romans 1 20 which says that god created his invisible truth into the universe and you can learn about god in invisible truth by studying nature science chemistry astronomy and physical blindness romans 1 20 for since the creation of the world his Invisible attributes, things you cannot see about God or spiritual truth, 
are clearly seen. How do you see those things invisibly? Being understood by the things that are made, including physically blind people, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That says that we can study spiritual blindness by studying physically blind people and learning about that. And so I did that. I studied a ton about sight and light and blindness and the way eyes work. It was awesome. I got into photons, hitting your rods and your cones in the back of your eyes where your brain is showing. And I got to the point where I thought, too much. It's too much science and stuff like that. So I backed off. And there's, I encourage you to go dive into this. Really cool stuff there. But... I want to talk about different types of blindness, how they picture the way different types of Christians see. I'm talking about seeing the spiritual realm. Do you see God and Satan at work around you or don't you? Do you see spiritual truth as true or don't you? And so four types of blindness I want to share with you, how each picture is a different type of Christian or non-Christian. And so here are, here's a legally blind person with blurred vision. And by the way, if you want to know what I look, how I see without my glasses, there you go. There, that's me. And so, by the way, legally blind people, uh, you're legally blind if after correction, after glasses, the best you can see is 2,200. That's legally blind. But this is a picture of a Christian, by the way, because they have sight. But their sight is blurry. It's like a Christian who has some sense of the spiritual realm being there. But there's no clarity. Everything's blurry. Everything's fuzzy. Nothing is clear in their life. Some Christians live their life like this, spiritual, you know, spiritually legally blind. There's another legal blindness we know about called tunnel vision. And there, this is where your vision is limited to 20 degrees or less in your best eye. The average human has almost 180 degrees of vision. 20 degrees is tunnel vision. By the way, it can be really, really clear in your tunnel vision. Is this not the way some Christians live their lives? Because they can see God and Satan and spiritual truth very clearly themselves if it's right in front of them. But if it's anybody else, they don't see it. Anybody in the world, they're blind to it. Are you living with spiritual tunnel vision focused on God in your life? There's another type of blindness called color blindness. And by the way, uh, this next photo here, if you don't see a difference in those photos, you might be colorblind. Let me just say that. So, uh, now, colorblindness affects, this is the most common version, red-green, colorblindness. Uh, colorblindness affects 8% of men and only one half percent, a half percent of women. And now, by the way, this picture is a Christian. Notice crystal clear vision. They see clearly God, Satan, spiritual truth. But if you're a colorblind, spiritually, person, spiritually colorblind person, your spiritual life is boring to you. If you think spiritual life is boring, that you see God and Satan, what are you talking about? You are missing on the beauty, the technicolor beauty. You're not living out your full-time ministry, God's calling. This is the Christian as well. But the next photo is total blindness. That's Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan. This was 21 years after the photo you saw at the very start of our service. And Helen was totally blind. This is how my family members without Christ see. Can't see a thing. No sight, no light, no fuzziness. Now, think in your mind. Think of the person you had thought about earlier um, that God brought to your mind. Who do you know? Who's in your world, acquaintance that doesn't know Jesus? Get them back in your mind. 
And just listen to these words again from verse 3 and 4. Just let them sink in. This is their spiritual state. It's verses 3 and 4 we read. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Your friend is dying spiritually. Your family member dying. Verse 4. Whose minds... The God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That is the spiritual desperate state that the Helen Kellers around us, the spiritual Helen Kellers are in. Now, if you're not praying for anybody by name for their salvation, would you listen to God? Let's pause. Just listen to God for a moment and just say, God, is there anybody you want me to start praying for by name? And just there'll be pictures in your mind. That's God. Or names you're going to hear. That's God. Don't miss God speaking to you. Write them down. Get a piece of paper. Write them down. Or put them in your phone or your, your tablet device or whatever. Let's let God speak to us. God, if I prayed on a regular basis for somebody to be saved... Who would you want me to pray for? Listen to God. And write the names of people down that God's speaking to you about. If you did pray for someone by name that they would see the light, who would that be? Who would God want you to pray for? See, maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but you've been living a legally blind life spiritually. So yeah, you see the spiritual realm around you, sort of, right? You see colors and shape generalities. You don't really see God specifically doing something. Or maybe you've had spiritual tunnel vision, and yes, it's about your life, your world. Oh, I see God, I see Satan, I see that, but everybody else... You are blind to around you. Or maybe because you're not living the full-time ministry, it's an olive, drab, boring spiritual life. You see clearly, but it's boring to you. It's not technicolor. It's beauty of God. We have friends who are blind. So here's the question then. If we all have people that God put in our world that are blind spiritually, what can we do about it? Is there anything we can do? Annie Sullivan moved there. And she suffered. What do we do? I'm really glad you brought that topic up because we read verse 5. Paul answers for us how we channel Ann Sullivan spiritually. Verse 5. Okay, he says this. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. So our message is not about us. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus we, don't miss this. We must utter the name Jesus or Christ to somebody. We must utter the name. Of, that, that's the message. That's the trumpet call of the gospel. We must utter that. And we don't preach ourselves. It's not about our credit. It's not about punking somebody. It's not about being right. It's not about showing them up. It's about Jesus, not about us. And if we talk about ourselves, it's ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. It's us choosing to be your slave your servant, your bondservant. That's our message for those in full-time ministry. About Jesus and me serving you, not about me. 
See, where's this light that shines forth? It's buried inside your body. Verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. That's creation. That's Genesis 1. Who has shown in our hearts. There is the mirror of creation in our hearts. The dark place was in our heart. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God buried the light that your neighbors need to see in your body. Why did he bury it in your body? So we're confused about light versus you, God versus you. Look at the next verse, verse 7. But we have this treasure, that's the light of the gospel, in earthen vessels in our bodies, our jars of clay we have, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You ever see a light bulb that impresses you? I mean, oh, look at that light bulb. That is beautiful light bulb. Or maybe you see a lamp. Wow! Look at that lamp. And you're impressed by the bulb or the lamp. You know what God made sure? No one would be impressed with these bulbs and these lamps. We're just jars of clay. We're boring, regular, everyday clay. Why, he says in verse 7? So the power could be of God and not of us. So if we're human lanterns with the gospel buried inside, how do you get the light out? We're human lanterns with the gospel. Your friends need to see the light of God inside you. Are they seeing the light of God? How does God get the light out of you? He breaks you. That's what God does. The light of the gospel is buried inside of you. That's the treasure inside of you. It's buried in clay pots. He breaks you to get the light out. So Paul lists seven areas of brokenness. Seven areas. And by the way, number five, death. Seven or six, death. Seven, death. Death of Christ. And ask yourself, you might be wondering, man, I'm, I'm going through real hard times. Why am I, my, my life so hard? Why is it, I'm so miserable? Why is this happening? I'm being broken. Maybe God is blessing you with brokenness. Because it's only through brokenness can people see the light of the gospel shine forth. He says in verse 8, the first of seven areas of brokenness. To get the light out, he says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Hard-pressed, we call that a high pressure. Why am I feeling such high pressure everywhere I turn? My school pressure, work, home, all, I'm pressured, pressured, pressured. Why is this happening, God? And God is blessing you with high pressure everywhere to break you of yourself. So that his light comes out. Because it's buried inside of you right now. A second area of brokenness we experience. Verse 8. We are perplexed. Man, I'm confused. I'm unsure. We're perplexed. But not in despair. Oh yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. I don't know how to get out of this problem. I don't know where God is. I'm perplexed. Maybe God is leaving you perplexed. So you can be broken of your wisdom, broken of your need to control, broken of yourself. So that God's light goes out. People see the gospel, not you. Verse 9 is the third one. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Okay, so people are pursuing you, 
and they are harassing you and they are mistreating you. Absolutely, you're being persecuted. Absolutely you are. Why, God? Maybe God is blessing you with persecution, mistreatment. So you'd be broken of yourself. So the light of the gospel buried in you would shine forth. Number four, it's in verse nine. Struck down, but not destroyed. Okay, that one hurt. It hurt when I got knocked over, and it hurt when I landed. But I got up. I wasn't destroyed. But boy, did that hurt. Why did it get struck down? Maybe God is blessing you with being struck down. To break you of independence and self-sufficiency, of your cool, calm demeanor, and everything's put together so people could see Jesus and not you. And then death, death, death. Verse 10. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. We carry his dying in us, his suffering in us. God gives us doses of the cross for our health. And when we suffer doses of the cross, we not only know Jesus better, we're drawn him closer, we're broken from ourselves. Why? Verse 10. That the life of Jesus... The light of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Death is number six. Verse 11. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life of Jesus, the light of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What's number seven? Death. So then death is working. Oh, it's working. Death is working. You hate it. You want out of it. But it's working in us, the Annie Sullivans. But life in you, the Helen Kellers. Guys, death, the death of Christ works. We always carry in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does this look like in our lives, by the way? I think there's a great example back in the book of Judges, chapter 7. I encourage you to read Judges 6 and 7. It's the story of Gideon's 300. And I'll give you the backstory to Gideon's 300. So there are 32,000 Jews uh, in the army facing 135,000 soldiers in the Midianite army. They're outnumbered over 4 to 1. So you'd think that was enough, but God says, no, 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 I know you people. If I give you the victory, outnumbered only four to one, you're going to take the credit. You're going to think, I was so smart, so strong, so gifted. You're going to take my credit. If you th- i got to make it a miracle. I'm going to make it so impossible for you that you can't possibly take the credit anymore because you do it all the time. You're going to have to trust me and say, God did it, not you. I'm, he whittles 32,000 down to 300. 300 versus 135,000. They're outnumbered. 450 to 1. Much better odds. And uh, God says, now, even you couldn't take the credit from me. You've got to call it a miracle. So he gives the 300 soldiers the most weird military equipment. There's not a weapon in the bunch. In, in Judges 7, uh, verse 16. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies. There's sort of three units of 100 guys each. And he put a trumpet into every man's hand. With empty pitchers, well, that'll help, and torches inside 
the pitchers. Okay, so we're going to blow their ears out with a trumpet and then burn them to death? Right, seriously, is that, is that our attack plan here? Verse 20. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke. Don't miss this. We are the clay pots. Blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers. They held their torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Don't miss this. There's 300 guys surrounding 135,000 people. And when they, when they hear the trumpet blast and they hear the breaking of the clay pots and they see the torches, they think they're surrounded not by 300, but 300 companies of soldiers. And they freak out when they see the light and hear the trumpet. That's when God gives the victory. Okay, let's demonstrate this. I need our trumpet, our empty pitcher, and torch. Now, trumpet, empty pitcher, and torch. Thank you very much, my friend. You're welcome. Appreciate it. All right. Absolutely. You say, now, this is a trumpet. You say, that's not a trumpet. That's a horn. This is the Hebrew word shofar. So you go into Hebrew where it says trumpet. It's always a horn. The Jews made their trumpets out of the horns of animals, ram's horns, or in this case, the horn of a greater kudu. And so that's a horn. This is a trumpet. Then in their left hand... They had torches. And I believe this is a historically accurate Jewish PVC pipe right here. And so they used this uh, back in the days of Gideon. And here is our clay pot. The trumpet represents the message of Christ. When you utter the name of Jesus to somebody, or you talk about the Bible to somebody, or the Holy Spirit to somebody, or God to somebody, you are blowing the trumpet. But your body is the clay pot. And the light's on, the gospel's there. Guess what? You can't see it yet. It's hidden by you. So here's what they did. They gathered around them. They snuck around. They are surrounding 135,000 people. They blow the trumpet. That's you talking about Jesus. When's the last time you blew the trumpet? of deliverance for your friends. You talked about Jesus. You talked about God. You talked about the Bible. Then they took the shofar and they broke the pitchers. Just like that. I believe the Jews had little lights just like this. But don't miss this. You couldn't see those lights before, could you? But now you can see them. Because here's the deal. God wants to use us. We've got spiritual Helen Kellers all around us. Oh, this one's a good piece right over here. Because this is you. The light of the gospel is inside you. You got sight. And God wants to show the light. The problem is, too much of you. Too much of you. You're too good. You're too smart. Too put together. Too much in savings. Too good relationships. Career. You've always succeeded. No wonder. When they see you, they see you. They don't see Jesus. Not until you're broken. And when you're broken, they see Jesus. That's why Paul talked about those seven areas of breaking. He allows death and persecution and you're cut down and oh, you're confused. And it's really, really hard. And you're asking why. But God's trying to take you out of the equation. Because you're just a clay lantern. You're a human lamp. And too much of you 
will keep anybody from seeing the light. Remember the story, by the way. Let's go back to a picture of Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan. This picture could be you and your friends. This is years later. I mean, they, they built this friendship, lifelong friendship. This is you, those people in your mind, that's you with that family member who doesn't know Jesus. They see now. That's you with your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. They see now. That's you with that person in school that's your buddy, your friend. They don't know Jesus. But now they see him. And when we share the message of Christ, we are blowing the trumpet of deliverance. And we allow and embrace the brokenness. There's less of us. We don't depend on ourselves anymore. So people can see Jesus in us. We are the human lamps, the lanterns. Maybe God's allowing brokenness in your life right now because people need to see Jesus, not you. You need to hear people talk. People need to hear you talk about Jesus as well. How far would you go? How much would you suffer? to be Ann Sullivan for the Helen Keller around you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you came 2,000 years ago and you came to bring sight to us who are blind. Um, I thank you for that. I pray for those who don't have the sight yet, they've never believed, they've never received Christ. God, please, Help them to see you and receive you. And I pray for those of us who are believers in Christ. I pray, maybe some of us had living with like legal blindness spiritually. Like we were living, everything's fuzzy, nothing's clear. There's no clear lines in our life. Or maybe everything's tunnel vision. It's just about us and our situations. Nobody else exists, blind to them, blind to the world. Or maybe we're living with color blindness. Everything's boring, spiritual life, olive drab, boring, instead of the technicolor beauty that you have being in the full-time ministry to help blind people see. God, help us live out our calling to blow the trumpet call, the gospel, to allow you to break us and people, the blind, would see Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.